This is uh, Whitney and Hani. We are both Duke Plastic Surgery residents here on the Resident Review Podcast. Thank you for joining us for our quick hit series in preparation for the in-service exam this year. Uh, This is one of our final quick hit series uh, discussing graphs, including skin graphs, bone graphs, and fat graphs. Uh, So we are going to start with a review of skin graphs because they are kind of one of the most commonly used graphs in plastic surgery. Uh, As far as graphs go, one of the biggest things that we get tested on is the stages of graph survival. So initially, the graph survives due to imbibition. Um, This is where the graph passively passively absorbs nutrients from the wound bed. Uh, Next, they survive based on inosculation, where existing blood vessels and capillaries start to come together to supply the graft. And then in about two to three days after skin grafting, neovascularization takes place in which new blood vessels grow into the graft uh, from which the graft lives on. One of the other major things that we get tested on uh, as it relates to skin grafts is contraction. So primary contraction of the skin graft occurs immediately after harvest and is due to the recoil of elastic fibers within the dermis. So as you know, when you initially take that split thickness skin graft off, you you think you have a lot, and then all of a sudden it feels like it's a lot less when you put it on the donor or the recipient site, and that's because of primary contraction. Secondary contraction is due to myofibroblasts after the wound heals. The least amount of secondary contraction occurs with a full thickness skin graft, where the most amount of secondary contraction uh, is due is with healing by secondary intention. So now we're going to get a little bit more into the types of skin grafts. So we have essentially either a full thickness or a split thickness skin graft. So a full thickness skin graft is harvested, is a harvest of the epidermis and the dermis. So basically what you're leaving is subcutaneous fat underneath your harvest. And that means that the donor site must be closed because it will not re-epithelialize. These are best for the face and small defects, as well as the volar hand where you do need some extra padding and want to prevent secondary contracture in those areas. Again, like we said, there's less contracture in the long run, and therefore the texture is generally better once healed. Split thickness skin grafts, on the other hand, are more commonly used. Um, When we harvest these, we harvest the epidermis and partial dermis using a dermatome, leaving behind adenexal remnants in the donor dermis so that the donor site can regrow. So in general, and what we get tested on is that the donor site regrows due to uh, multipotent stem cells that are associated with the hair follicles, so the adenexal. Uh, structures that are left behind in the skin. Split thickness skin grafts are great for larger uh, recipient sites because there's less metabolic demand on the recipient wound bed and therefore uh, the graft take tends to be higher. Uh, Again, like I said, they're good for large defects um, and can be used on the dorsal hand where secondary contracture is not so much of a concern. Meshing is an option to provide more surface area coverage, which obviously decreases the donor site burden. It allows for better drainage, less infection, and ultimately better take of the skin graft. However, the downside is that it will lead to a cobblestone appearance of your recipient site. For the regenerated skin, one of the things, again, that we do get tested on, so from the area of the skin graft, they have it has many of the characteristics of normal skin, such as capillary roots, uh, retention ridges, elastic and collagen fibers, but it does not have dermal appendages such as hair follicles or sweat glands. So any area that you do skin graft won't sweat normally or will not grow hair. 
finally, we do need to talk a little bit about the donor site um, and healing at the donor site. So like I said previously, um, hair follicles contain the uh, multipotent stem cells that allow for re-epithelialization of the donor site when you're taking a split thickness skin graft. Um, and while the donor site is healing, in general, we do put an occlusive dressing over the donor site. Um, moist occlusive dressings, however, have been found to have less pain during the entire healing process. So uh, in one randomized controlled trial, alginate was found to be the least painful dressing, while actually moist gauze and zero form, such as in petroleum dressings like we typically use, actually have the most amount of uh, pain at the donor site. Finally, we need to talk a little bit about biologic dressings. Um, so these have been used increasingly in plastic surgery. These are bilayered skin substitutes, such as Integra, which is what we use in the United States. They release matrix proteins to allow neodermis formation. In general, we use these because they uh, result in improved cosmesis of the uh, recipient site, diminished scar contracture, or development of a hypertrophic scar. So when you use Integra, um, in general, you place Integra down. It has a silicone layer on top of the uh, bilayered matrix. And after three to four weeks, you can remove that silicone layer and skin graft on top of it because the, the basically underlying graft has taken. However... Um, with the use of a wound back bolster over the biologic dressing or over the Integra, you can actually decrease the time to skin graft to about one week. Um, so now moving on to back grafts, which is something that we are using increasingly commonly in plastic surgery. Um, there's just a couple of things that we need to know for the in-service exam related to fat grafting. In general, the survival rate of fat grafting is about 60%. So about a third of your fat graft dies over the course of the first three to six months after grafting. In terms of technique to improved graft take, there are a couple of things that you can do. One is that you inject in small aliquots in a lattice kind of pattern. You inject using a low shear device and inject the fat uh, soon after harvest because the adipocytes start to die at room temperature and are almost completely dead at four hours after grafting. So if you're going to be doing fat grafting, what you want to do is do the liposuction to harvest the fat and then inject almost immediately after. So hopefully that will give you um, all the answers you need to know on fat grafting for the in-service exam. All right. So moving on to bone grafting. So talking about the different kinds of bone that you can use, we talk about both cancellous and cortical bone. Cancellous bone is the spongy mesh-like bone that you often see. It has more osteoblasts and osteocytes, so it's better for osteogenic potential. Whereas cortical bone is the dense outer layer of bone and it offers higher stability and also absorbs more slowly. So it's a more stable construct when you graft it. For common bone donor sites, so there are the ribs, um, specifically five to seven split rib is good because the cancellous bone is more rapidly revascularized. You can take it from the iliac crest. You could also take it from the tibia, specifically Gertie's tubercle of the tibia. In regards to cartilage, the risk with cartilage is warping, especially with an intact perichondrial layer, and usually this is harvested from rib 11. Autologous bone grafts are preferred for cranioplasty in children because they osteointegrate and grow with the child. Um, particulate graft can be harvested at any age. Split calvarial graft, which this is an important point, can be harvested starting around five years of age. And the cool thing about kids is that they spontaneously regenerate everything. I don't know if that's factual, but uh, specifically in regards to bone grafts, uh, donor sites will reossify. All right, moving on to fracture healing. So let's talk about the stages. There's uh, inflammation, which 
is in the first three days. And then the repair of the fracture usually takes, usually uh, starts happening at the one day mark and goes on for a few weeks afterwards. Um, so there's the repair stage, there's the cartilaginous callus from three to six weeks, and then there's bony union, which typically happens between four and eight weeks. Endochondrial ossification also occurs during this repair process. And what that is, is where it's the cartilaginous soft callus eventually becomes bony. But fracture healing actually occurs on the scale of months to years. Um, and the it, there's constant remodeling that occurs. Well, not constant, but there's remodeling that occurs throughout the process. In regards to graft regrowth, there are three terms to know. There's osteoinduction, osteoconduction, and osteogenesis. For osteoinduction, um, basically it's defined as the induction of growth factors in surrounding host cells to become osteoblasts, and this helps create bone. And the things that we think about for osteoinduction are BMP, cancellous bone graft, as well as demineralized bone matrix. In regards to osteoconduction, it's defined by this replacement of the graft by creeping direct chemical bonding of alloplast to bony surface. So alloplast acts as a scaffold and is eventually resorbed and replaced with the new bone. Now, with this specific kind of method, neovascularization occurs between six and eight weeks, and full strength is achieved at six to 12 months. And examples of uh, osteoconduction occur with cortical bone grafts as well as calcium hydroxyapatite. And finally, we can talk about osteogenesis. Um, and it's defined as new bone formation from within the graft material. And what we think of for this is autograft as well as vascularized bone transfer. And with that, that summarizes not only the bone section, but this entire episode. I hope you enjoyed all of our quick hits series. Uh, this is our final quick hits episodes between the pair of us, Whitney and Annie. And we hope that you absolutely crush the in-service. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com. As a pl-